0: Matthew ten six says this, your kingdom will come, amen, your kingdom comes, your will will be done on earth, how many of you believe God's agenda is for his kingdom to come on earth, come on say yes or no, be convicted either way, if it's not then fine, if it is great, at least get behind whatever's being said, get a conviction of what's being said, you know since God created the earth and God created Adam and Eve, God has been on an agenda, God created the earth and, the, sorry, God, because God had an agenda, he created an earth. Because God had an agenda, he created Adam and Eve. Because God's got an agenda, he created you. God, every day, is creatively, decisively, and purposefully working to bring his kingdom on the earth. Every day, God is decisively, creatively, purposely working to bring his kingdom on the earth. The issue is who will allow it to flow through them? Yeah, every moment of every day, God is structuring, God is engineering, God is purposefully working to bring forth his kingdom plan into our lives. Grace is about to go and discover what God's plan is. Last night, I heard Scott tell the nations of the world what God's doing with his life and others around him. It was fantastic. So this kingdom, you know, this kingdom is the mysterious kingdom. How many of you know it's mystery? mystery. And God releases little bits from heaven so we can understand a little bit. So we see in part and we know in part, we understand in part. We don't understand the kingdom, we're understanding the kingdom. It's coming to us in pieces. The more we can upgrade our hearts, the more we can receive it. You know, I've been a Christian now 30 odd years and I'm just beginning to understand the kingdom. Grace is going to get her portion. She's going to understand her sphere and how that kingdom is to, is to operate in her life. She doesn't need to know at this point in time all about the kingdom. She just needs to know how it works for her and how it will work for her. And the kingdom is a mysterious kingdom to the naked eye. It's invisible to the naked eye. How many of you know that? Can you see the kingdom in this room? Physically, I mean. No. No. It's a room, it's a building. But we are talking about a spiritual dimension. Hello? Are you there this morning? Now you can be, because you're spiritual people, you can say, well, I see the kingdom. I see it in my brothers and sisters. Just unplug your brain in it. I ask you to look at it physically. I just see people in a room. A man with a microphone. Spiritually, we know the kingdom, how it works to some degree. But physically, to the naked eye, we don't see a kingdom. We see people, don't we? But when the spiritual gets involved, all of a sudden, the natural environment gets transformed. And people begin to see a difference, and they see the kingdom beginning to manifest through people. The same people that were just in that room just a minute ago, now begin to manifest in a different way. That's how people see this kingdom. It's invisible, to the world, yet it fills the whole galaxy. It fills the whole universe. But yet people can't see it on a day-to-day basis. It's crazy. But you know, the most amazing thing about this kingdom is this, it's given to children. It's given to children. Those who adopt childlike faith, the kingdom's given to them. It's not given to the intellectual. It's given to the one who will humble himself and become like a little child. If you're not looking for it, there's no reason to find it. It's like the secret garden. If you're not looking for it, you'll never find it. But to those who seek, you will find. And and so when you begin to look for it, you must have a heart like a little child that looks for it and longs for it. So God says, unless you become like one of these, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So it's given to children. Second thing about this kingdom, it's received by faith. It's given by faith. Amen? It's given by faith. What did I say? 10-6. Sorry, it's Matthew 6-10. Thanks, Kath. Um, I re- Your kingdom come is Matthew 6-10, not 10-6. But y'all knew that because y'all spiritual. See, I'm just learning. So it's given to children. It's received by faith. And then the next part, and it's what grace is beginning to understand, is that it's advanced by a clear inner voice. The more uh, more, uh, grace begins to hear this inner voice, the more she can respond to it. The more she responds to it, the more the kingdom can advance. True? So it's given to children. It's received by faith. It comes in seed form, but it's advanced by a clear inner voice, growing stronger and stronger and stronger. So you know how God leads. It's wonderful, and yet Matthew eleven twelve says this: from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. So, as much as it's given to children, it also needs advancing by forceful people. Wimps don't advance the kingdom. Sunday attenders don't advance the kingdom. The interested don't advance the kingdom. The ones who go to school, a Christian school, just because they go to a Christian school, don't necessarily advance the kingdom. It's those who have been given the kingdom, who received it as a child, who, elicit, who, who received by faith, who are growing in this word and become forceful with this word. When grace comes back, she's going to be forceful. Scott's going to be forceful. He's going to start putting a demand on the kingdom. They'll they'll expect to see the kingdom manifest by the time they they come through this discipleship. Because disciples carry the kingdom. Disciples manifest the kingdom. Amen? So that's what a disciple does. What we have, there are disciples and then there are church people who go to church. A disciple is one who follows Christ. Not one who just opens his Bible and has a little prayer read. Someone who follows the Christ and who wants God. Use my life. Show me how I can be useful to your purposes. We don't, God never wanted you just to have a faithful life just by reading your Bible and just, just praying every now and then, coming to church. In fact, if you came to our discipleship class the other day, we talked about what is a believer. We talked about we're defining the core. Who are the core of any church? And in even those people who are in discipleship, are even real, they'll begin to realize that actually, I'm not the believer I thought I was. Mm-hmm. By the time you get down to question three, you'll realize I'm not what I thought I was. Because it needs to be clarified, Jesus Christ is looking for a church. He's not looking for a church because he's got nowhere to go and he do not know where to go. He's looking for a specific type of people when he gets there. They're the ones, disciples. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you've read this scripture many, many times, but it says, For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he be called Wonderful Counsel, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A child has to be born. A child, the kingdom starts with a child. But a son is given. Think of this. Jesus was born, but he became a son. A child was given. The wise men were attracted to a baby, knowing that there was more it was more than a baby. True? They realized from the revelation from the from the angels that this was the son, the newborn king. So from a baby, you must become a son. See, when God, you get saved today, you're a baby, but God instantly sees you as a son. Now, a son needs to be developed. When my, when Scott was born, as the first born in our house, the nurse said to us, congratulations, you have a baby boy. So I get on the phone and I say, I've got a son. Do you understand that? A baby's given, a baby's born, but a son is given. So when we come into the kingdom, A baby enters into this world, this new kingdom world, but a son instantly is placed upon you. You become a son. Yes? Unless a child is born, a son cannot be made and cannot be given. Now God wants to build you as a son. Now you have to go through a whole bunch of discipleship so you don't become a baby in Christ anymore. You don't remain a baby in Christ. You become mature sons. Does that make sense? Though a baby was born, a son was given. Unless a child is born and a son is developed, the kingdom has nowhere to rest. See, clearly in this scripture, unless a child is born, a son cannot be given and the government will be upon his shoulders. Babies don't carry government. Sons carry government. Spiritual sons carry government. Babies don't. This is why the church cannot manifest in the nations throughout the world. Because most of the church want to remain as babies. They don't want to remain as sons. So the kingdom has nowhere to rest on. It has nowhere to manifest. Why? Because the church is babyish. It's got childish behavior. But God's birth in a kingdom. God wants his kingdom to rest on the, on the hearts of sons. Amen? You are the son. So if the kingdom cannot rest on you, then let's look at that scripture. Isaiah, keep there. If a son cannot, so if the kingdom cannot rest on you, then God cannot be exalted through you. If a kingdom can't rest on you, then God's name could not be exalted. See, now, because Scott, listen to this, and you, you'll understand this. When you, you, you see your children born, you want your children to have the best. Do you not? Yeah. Right. And you can give your kids the best, but it never really changed them in their character. But now, you see, I've got to the point in my life, I'm getting to the point with one of my sons. I've still got some way to go with my other son and my daughter. But Scott, because he's going through this process of discipleship, he calls me. Not only dad, he calls me spiritual dad. Do you know how hard that is for a son to call his dad his spiritual dad? Because it's so easy for a son just to sit. He's always going to be dad. So he can always reduce me to the, the level of dad. But I, if I'm going to be his spiritual dad, he's got to see me in that light. Right, so what's he doing? Because the kingdom's resting on his life and it's beginning to rest on his life, it's difficult for Grace, Tom, Paul, and Matt to see me other than just their uncle. But for when they come to me, like for Tom when he gets married, and and he sits down, he says, we call me Nunks, that's my nickname in the family. Nunks has got to sit down and prepare us for marriage, and he's got to talk about sex. How gross is it having your uncle talk to you about sex? And he's going, oh no. I know what he's dreading. I know he's, but because I'm kind of who I am, I can kind of just go with it and, I'll, and I'll, I'll play with that and I'll have a bit of fun with him. And, and he came out and he went, that was one of the best sessions I've ever had. Even your mum and dad can't talk like me on sex. They created her, i tell they did it. So the grace, what they're seeing now is, the more they see the kingdom come on their life, my stature begins to change in their eyes. So they can exalt me in that sense. Does that make sense? So the more the kingdom can rest upon your life, the more you can exalt Christ. Because you're able to honor the one who's changing your life. Does that make sense? So if the kingdom cannot rest on you, then you cannot exalt. And if the kingdom cannot rest upon you, yeah, you just missed it, Tom. I just use you as an illustration as he walks through the door. A kingdom Manifestation. Come to part two. If you can, if the kingdom cannot rest upon you, then you cannot represent God well. The kingdom is this. If you work for me, if I employ you tomorrow in my company, what is your job? Your job is to work for me. Your job is to represent me and my company values, okay? And we give you a contract and I expect a certain behavior, okay? In return, you expect me to pay you a wage. In return, you expect me to treat you well, true? So there's expectations. But Christianity is the only brand I know where God brings you into his family and then you want God to work for you. God doesn't change his rules. He brought you into where he is. So you can carry out his will and represent him. But most of the church is saying, I'm staying here and I want you to look after me. You can't do that in the kingdom. So what the church says, the immature babies say, well, if I go, you won't look after me. So I've got to make sure my needs are met first before I do anything. No, the Bible says, as you go, I will meet your needs. You're employed by me. You're in the king's army now. You're no longer your own. Amen? We've got to make that shift. This is one of the shifts that grace is making, and you're going to make in, in uh, authentic sonship. In three years' time, church, we're going to have our own. We will have a full-time school, and many of you will be housing our students. And you will see the transforming work that God will do as kids and people, not just kids, as people from all around the world start coming to our church. Amen? Because this is what God's birthing in us. God's going to give us an ability to send to the nations. God's doing it. When I look at those young people, that tree of shame side, this is just built for them. As, as the tree of shame side begin to release its fruit, they get trained and sent out. We will have pioneer works all around England. Some of you will be going to different cities. Some of you will be running on a Sunday morning. We won't see you for a couple of weeks because you'll be pioneering in another part of our city or another part of our nation. Why? Because we're going to be a pioneering prophetic apostolic house. Now, some of you want to to stay in the church, but many of us are going to go. This is the mandate on our house. The kingdom has got, has got to have people it can sit on. It's got to have people it can pass through. It's got to have people who will manifest the Christ and his kingdom. This is the message that God's given us. So if God cannot be exalted through you, then there can be no increase of his government upon you. So many Christians will not submit they refuse to submit to a pastor to his eldership they don't it's amazing it's amazing how many people all of a sudden get so wise when you give them advice and they've got all these answers and you never saw any wisdom come out of their mouth up to that point i think where did this wisdom come from how come you never shared it with us before it's called an opinion their opinion But because there's no submission in life, how, why do we think the kingdom will advance if there's no submission in our life? It just won't work. Does your boss, will your boss, if you work for him and you never do what he asks you and there's a promotion coming, who do you think is not going to get the job? No, exactly. So why do you think in the church, God will smile upon those who don't, work, who don't follow and don't submit? The biggest number one problem in church is people submitting to one another and to leadership. It is. That is the number one issue. And because there's no submission, what does he say? And the increase of his government, listen, there will be no peace. The peace in this government, when it's on Jesus' life, there's no end to his peace. It just keeps increasing and increasing and increasing. But where there's no submission, peace never follows you. Striving always follows people who are disobedient. I said it always follows. Do you know what I know? I tried it. When I backslid, when I didn't worship God, when I I wouldn't submit to my ladyship, there was no peace in my life. But the moment I began to submit, I found this incredible amount of contentment and peace. And I saw God's government began to come upon me. And, I began, and God began to give me government in my own life. God then gave me influence. God began to give me opportunities where I could bring this kingdom influence. Then God stepped me into positions. And the moment I don't submit to heaven, submit to my leaders, these are my leaders if I don't submit to 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 these guys guess what I cannot expect God's government to keep increasing now the reason why God's given us a school and God's going to give us our nation is because God's government is increasing the reason why Pastor Pete can do what he's doing is because we've got evidence that the kingdom of God and his rule and his peace is increasing upon southern lights so the more the kingdom increases upon your life, the more the kingdom moves. And the vision gets wider. It gets bigger. And then God gives you the resources. But the moment you don't discipline yourself and won't put yourself under somebody, the kingdom shrinks. Peace begins to shrink upon your life. And all your life then begins to enter into stri- striving. And then it's into your marriage. Then it's into your kids. And this is a picture church you see in our nation because God's government can't come and as soon as your moment you start talking about government people manifest why because their perception of government is not the same as the bible they've never submitted to their own mother and father so why are they going to submit in church they don't submit to the boss at work so why are they going to submit to one another they don't show anyone love anywhere so why do they expect Why do we expect to show love to anybody else in the church? Their their world is completely different. But yet they call themselves believers. If there's no increase, there can be no righteousness established. Read that scripture. Unless, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders and he'll be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God. Everlasting Father, principally You say, but this is so much Jesus, yes, but you're in Christ. And because you're in Christ, you this is you. And on the increase of his government and, he, and peace, there will be no end. So there's no end to government and no end to peace. And he will reign on David's throne. So now we've got, we've got legacy. We've got inheritance. Amen? And he'll reign on his... And that's why Daniel, now... She's reigning on David's throne. Through her mother and father, she's reigning on David's throne. So this legacy, so we can speak to her and her offspring before they've even arrived. We can speak. Why? Because this kingdom, the kingdom's advancing here. So it can go into her territory. Ahead of time, it can go into her territory and block off any distractions trying to hinder her generation. Why? Because the kingdom is manifesting through us. Amen. We want her mom and dad to have peace. We don't want her mom and dad to be praying anxiously. We want them to have peace. Why? Because we want every time we stand and say something as a leadership, God has to back it up to you. And the moment he doesn't back it up, you have your opinion, and the church is divided. So when we say if you trust God, God will do this, do you know we're on the line? Now, let's just say I use Daniel and I use David here, father and son. Son is watching dad, okay? Let's just say now, dad disconnects, son is watching how dad does that. What do you think son's going to watch? What do you think son's going to do? He's going to go the same route. But if he sees honor in his dad, what do you think he's going to birth in him? Honor. If he sees his dad humbling himself and submitting... It will naturally flow through him. And then Dan's kids. And there's a picture in the Tilbrook family now of honour, respect, kingdom, peace. There's no end, no limit to how far this kingdom can come in their seed. No limit. So it started in his granddad. Started in his great granddad. Right? And it's flowing and it's getting stronger. It's getting stronger with each generation. David stands, finds his place in God. He's hearing things that his father didn't receive because every generation receives a different revelation. So David steps into it. All of a sudden, he gets a whole new picture of Christ. He begins to manifest the Christ in his own house. He picks it up because he gets double portion. Right? And all the young people, and straight away, what happens is his generation just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. That's how transfer of legacy starts and the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Speak that over your family, David. There will be no end to Tilbrooks. In fact, I prophesy millions of Tilbrooks. <laughs> I don't know how many generations, that, I don't mean you have millions of Tilbrooks. <laughs> you and your wife. But let's just say there's going to be no end of Tilbrooks. There'll always be a Tilbrook generation on the earth. Amen? Now, the Igginsons, Shirley defected, went over to the Duffield side, <laughs> kind of ran out on us, leave me. I produced two boys. What does my first boy have? Two girls. I says, Ben, you better man up. <laughs> I love me girls. Well, Son, we need an heir to the throne. <laughs> I says, Scott, find a wife. Right, you tw- how old is he now? 28, Scott, isn't he? Scott, time's running out. Find a, son, find a wife. Produce your dad. Offspring. We want another Higginson. Now, the only other Higginsons are living in Adelaide. So we got two in Adelaide. So we got family. We're taking your nation back. So why? Because I want offspring. I want the Higginsons to have their portion on the earth. I want us to be nation changers. Amen. City Transformers. Absolutely. And I want my generation. who, Who doesn't want that for the kids? Who doesn't want that for the kids? Absolutely. You know, they want it. They want it. Mordecai here can produce an Esther. Esther can produce hundreds and hundreds of offspring. We're talking about future generations. We can do it. Church, we can do it why they've got one in america they got one in in england in manchester so when phil and tiffany have their first let's hope it's a boy we're not going to against skills by the way nothing against skills we're somewhat keeping the, the name going i love my two girls i love i love them as a granddad i love my two girls it's great but i'd like a boy And the boy won't be better than the girls. I'm not saying that. You know what I'm saying, don't you? But if there's no increase, there can be no righteous legacy established. And we want righteousness to reign all the way through the generations. I want Daniel's generation. I I believe these are gonna be the standard bearers. These guys are gonna carry something that has never been seen before. Oh, there's always been good righteous men, but I'm talking about a generation. Amen? Amen. And Matthew eighteen three said, unless you, he said, unless you, the tr- sorry, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So the best thing to do is get young people who's already got the heart of a child, put the kingdom into them, teach them how to keep the heart of a child. Amen. So they can always, doesn't matter if he becomes 35, 45, 65, 75, he's always got the heart of a child. Not the mentality or the behavior of a child, but the heart of a child. Why? Because it's the only way the kingdom can keep manifesting. The trouble is we grow up. Do you know, the older I get, the more soppy I become. Any old fellas in the room? Feel like that. You're watching a movie, and all of a sudden you could Cry. Yeah? It's true. You can watch a Disney movie. You can see someone who's having a hard time and your heart goes for the underdog and you start crying, but then you, you, you kind of... <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, you do look your glasses. Are you all right, Doc? Yeah, I'm just fine, darling. Yeah, just fine. Yeah, yeah. Carlos says, you're oh, yeah, soppy man. I find myself more and more getting so um, sensitive to things. Crying is becoming a lot easier or easier. Now, I'm not crying at everything. That's called mad. Right? I didn't cry yesterday when my team got beat. Didn't cry. It's part of life. It's part of life. Who wants more silver anyway? The issue is this. The older you get, your heart must be getting softer. And as the heart of a child, the kingdom begins to manifest. Seriously, don't lose the heart of a child. You know, it's great when I pick up little Harper. She's so reliant upon me. She looks and little Ruby, you see how Ruby just throws herself off a chair. Just like a flying trapeze, boom. And expects someone to be there to catch her. One day, dad's just going to do that. Boom. Then Ruby will discover, ah, it doesn't always work like this, exactly, sweetheart. But you know, as your daughter gets older, she learns to break your heart differently. But your heart can always be broke, and it's so important that your heart should always be soft, because if my daughter can never break my heart, something's wrong. Heart, it's not wrong to cry. It's not hard. It's not wrong to, have a, to be to be hurt. <coughs> Excuse me. To be hurt. It shows we love them. And it it causes me to rise up and ask for mercy. God, give me mercy to handle this generation. Give me mercy, oh God, not to kill Scott. Give me mercy, oh God, not to kill Laura, Ben. You're the same as parents. Even as a young person, Dan, you should be saying there's some days when you want to kill your dad. It's true, your dad will come in and say, Dan, that's not happening. I want to fucking kill him. Start going into him, God, why do you give me him? be very careful when it happens because your heavenly father says, you've got to be careful. He says, you look after your dad, speak nice to him and it will go well with you. But God, I want to kill him today. Tight fisted. It happens. All kids do that. It's true, isn't it? It's true. We all do it. I want to beat my dad up so many times. And then you get older, you, you fancy your chances, your dad looks in your eye and he thinks, go on. Go on. And you're thinking, can I? Should I? Should I? What happened if I took a swipe? You're dead. That's what happens. <laughs> Never get to that point. I will submit, have a heart of a child. The last scripture, Matthew 4.18. This kingdom must have you. It must go through the heart of a child. And Jesus, in Matthew 4.18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers Simon, Colpete, and his brother, Andrew, they were casting a net in the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'll make you fishermen. He said, I'll make you fishers of men because what would be the point of saying, I'll make you fishermen when there already were fishermen? It was a whole new technology that they were about to embark in. Just as grace, God's saying to grace and he's saying to you, church, please don't think grace is the only one being discipled. Grace is not the only one being discipled. We're all being discipled. She's just going to a different place because sometimes God has to take you out your environment. I have learned that in my life. Some of you won't believe this, but I'm telling you, some of you will never learn anything just being in the one place. God has sometimes supernaturally has to pick you up, take you onto the other side to show you something that you will never get if you stay there. That's not a reason to be going everywhere. Please hear what I'm saying. Don't take that out of context. Be planted, but God let God take you on the other side. Yeah? Leaving is not being planted. I knew I had to come back. I always it because God let me go there, to knowing I would come back. But when I first went to Malaysia, I did not know what, what I was going to be letting myself in for. That relationship has transformed my life. Going to Australia significantly encouraged me in an area that I, I, I never thought. Because watching Pastor Pete and Karen do what they do, it helped me to see that I had that gift in me to do. And they showed me that it was possible. Showed me it was possible. God's clearly said to me, this is in you. I put this in you. You're not copying him. It's already in you. Go back and do it. Now I've shown you it's possible. Straight away, boom. I realized it. It's there. But they were casting nets into a lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I'm going to make you fishers of men. At once, they left their net and followed him. That's the heart of a disciple. That's the heart of a kingdom man right there. At once, they responded to what was being spoken. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James' son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their necks. Jesus called them and immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. Now Grace is leaving her father. Grace is leaving her father. It's a significant thing to leave your father. And he's saying, Ha ha da But you know, there's come a part. I'm not crying now, I'm just I am generally wiping my eye now. <laughs> it's a big thing to leave your father. Father sets the house, sets the course, sets everything. When Scott first left Manchester, he didn't know how to say goodbye, and I didn't know how I would say goodbye. So I took Ben with me. So I thought, if I'm not going to cry in front of Ben and Scott, there was, at that point it was a bit of man up. There was still a bit of man in me left. I hadn't watched a Disney movie. And I'm stood there and Scott stood there in the airport and he puts his bag down. And I'm reading the interpretation of dad, everything. We wanted a love story moment. Some of you don't know what that means, but if you're old enough, it's almost like the music's playing. And it's like, I want to tell son, I love your son. And he wants to tell dad, I'm going to miss you. And then what we do is we t- see you, see you son. He goes left, I go right. There was no love story moment. Why? Because we didn't know how to do it. And Scott's looking at me, and I'm looking. So, but when I get to Adelaide, so when I get to Australia, God had worked on Scott, and God had worked on me. So when he, so now we have a different kind of moment. Yeah. Now we're in, is it Taramine? Is it you call it Tadamarine. That's their airport. Wherever it is, somewhere you land. I gets out there. Scott comes looking. He looks at me. He looks at Carol, and he comes running. And it was a tear moment. And the the greeting, I should say, the greeting we got here should have been the one that sent him on his journey. And then it came to their camp where the fathers have got to write a letter to their sons and tell them. And I told you this before. I wrote the letter. I'm crying my eyes out upstairs in the office. I'm just thinking, God, let's hope no one comes in the office right now because I'm gone. This could happen. This will happen, I prophesy it. And Scott opens a letter, Scott opens a letter, not knowing what he's going to get. No jokes, no quibs, no nothing, no flippancy, just heart to heart, telling your son everything that he means to you. Tell you, it's good, it's good therapy. No Disney movie. I thought, they could have made a movie out of this now. <laughs> and it's like, you know, when you get old, you can't, you can't cry too much when you get old because you can't afford to lose the water. <laughs> you need to keep the water retention, so don't cry too much. So what I'm seeing here is immediately, immediately, they left, they put down the nets, but they left the father. Leaving the father is hard. And the father... Seeing his daughter go, it's hard. Andy, I'm telling you now, the first day Scott went, I thought there was a funeral in our house. It was like a funeral. And nothing can prepare you when you say, bye. I'll see your son, see your daughter. I don't know when, but I know some sunny day we'll meet. And you let go, but there's something in the kingdom that you have to let go. You have to let go of your father. It doesn't mean you're saying you don't love your father. You do. But you have to disconnect so God can start a new work. As long as Grace has got Andy, Grace can't go to the level she needs to go. Because God is taking her to a place where God will show her a heavenly father. And when Grace sees her heavenly father, she'll appreciate a natural father so much more. Bank of dad will come to an end. Now, Bank of the Heavenly Father. <laughs> Bank of the Heavenly Father will begin. And you know, the difference is now they'll have conversations about God they never thought they could have. I'm telling you, it's powerful. So when I talk to Scott now, it's like, I'm, it's like I'm talking to a young preacher. It's great, but there's something about the Father has to let go. And that's why discipleship, when Jesus called disciples, he said they left their mother and father. He said when Elijah, he burnt the oxen, kissed his mother goodbye, his father, had a feast and said goodbye. I'm telling you, church, your father is not cruel. Your heavenly father's not cruel. He knows what's good for us. But the kingdom will mean saying goodbye to some people. Chris and Kath, it's hard for them, they've got their son in America. I've got mine in Australia. Some of you may have your family living in different parts. It doesn't matter if they're in America or they're living down south. They're not there. Sending your kids to university, that's one one taste. One test and one taste. I know Gwen's had her son in Germany. It's not easy saying goodbye to people you love. But there's something about the kingdom that God's saying to you. If you stand to your feet now, please, it's time to put down your nets. It's time to respond to a voice. It's time to let go of some natural things. And it's time to cling to a new heavenly father. Your earthly father, mother and father, irrespective of all the love and and honor you have for them, you've got to let them go. So So your heavenly father becomes number one. You say, well, I never had a great father. Well, don't let that stop you getting a beautiful perspective and relationship with your heavenly father. I know how powerful that can be, having something against your father. I also had to go through that. God had to do something in my heart. God had to restore my heart so that honor was restored. You know why? Because as soon as honor was restored in my father, the government in me began to increase. The peace in me began to increase. But you've got to let go and say goodbye to your father. Hello, some of you ladies out there some of you men out there who's had difficulties with your mother and father it's time to say goodbye to the pain the memory the resistance i'm not talking about the honor now you keep the honor you always keep the honor i'm talking about the pain you've got to put down your nets and it's now time to follow him afresh if you can't hear his voice this morning you're in trouble you're already in trouble Unless you humble yourself like a little child, the kingdom could not come through you. So let me ask you this morning as you, as you close your eyes, are there any young children, spiritually now I'm talking about, not age, are there any young children who is ready to leave the mother and father in the hearts, the pain behind and, and put your nets down, the toiling, the resisting, the pain? Is there anybody ready to follow his voice afresh and say goodbye to the pain? And let this kingdom come. this government come upon your life. Let this peace come into your life. Is there anybody willing to turn around and come to a new place? If so, come and stand here this morning. We're going we're gonna to commission you afresh this morning to the kingdom. Unless you have a, chi- a heart like a little child, a child was born, but a son was given. That's so significant. Is there anybody who's willing to say goodbye to the past? Come on. Let's rededicate our lives this morning back to the king and his kingdom. Hey, I'm not going to push this thing. If it's not in you, I'm not going to push you. If it's there, come and stand. Come and stand here alongside me at the altar. Let the Holy Spirit begin to reinstate you. Put the pain of the past behind you. That's what it belongs Embrace the kingdom. Put down your nets. Let him show you how to be fishers of men. Change your course. Let him change your life. Let him change your destiny. Let him give you a purpose this morning. You're going to pray. You're going to let it go. You're going to say, Father, it stops. I, let, I drop the pain. I refuse not to carry it anymore. Is there anybody else? Come on. Someone's taking the brave step here. Who's going to join? Who's going to join this person here? Is anybody out out there? Willing to come alongside and say, you know, the past is over. I'm having a new day. Come on, church, you're fighting inside. I know you're resisting. You're fighting. You're thinking, I don't know what this means. I've just told you what it means. Listen to obey the Father's voice. Put down your. He's walking by this morning. He's walking into your territory this morning. The Son of God is walking into your territory and he's calling you personally, he's speaking deep, calling to deep, he's saying, put down your nets, put away the pain to one side, let the kingdom come in, let me teach you how to become fishers of men, oh, Father, Father, right now, Lord, you're merciful to us, come on, church, everyone lift those holy hands up, if you will, if you're not if it's not you this morning, it's not you. But if it is you, please come on as the altar's here this morning. Something's going to change in your life. Something powerful is going to change. You're not going to be the same. Now we're leaving it. We're not going to pick it up. When you walk back to your seat, you are not picking it up. You're not taking it with you. You're leaving it here. Something has to come to the end. Lord, I hear your voice. You're in my territory this morning. You're in my heart. You're in my soul. You're in my mind. Father, I will not let go. I will, Lord, I want to be like that child. I'm submitting my heart to you. I'm going to become that little child. Oh, Father, right now, unless you become, there's a condition there. Unless you become like one of these, the kingdom cannot accelerate in your life. Oh, Father.